The FBI director didn't even read the memo warning of the Capitol riot. So I stumbled upon this story, which, you know, many people came upon this and like reading something like this, like I'm going to read it, like go into like a brief detail about it. It's just like when you read something like this, whether it be just even just the title of a story like this or even just more in depth into it, you kind of start to realize, even though you already knew, just how crappy the government actually is when it deals with anything. Like, <laughs> it's so depressing. So the FBI director, Christopher Ray said Tuesday he didn't read an FBI report that cited the threat of an attack on Congress until days after the January 6th Capitol riot. Ray admitted to senators that he didn't see the warning, reportedly describing preparation for war with glass-breaking doors being kicked in until after the violence that disrupted certification of President Biden's victory. Well, Senator, I think the intelligence or the information you're asking about is the much-discussed Norfolk SIR, or Situational Information Report, Ray said at a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. I didn't see that report, which was unverified intelligence until some number of days after the 6th. But Ray repeatedly defended the FBI's handling of the intelligence, which he said was passed from the Bureau's Norfolk Field Office to Washington Area Police Forces on January 5th. That raw, unverified information was passed within, I think, 40 minutes to an hour to our partners, including the Capitol Police, including Metro PD, and not one, not two, but three different ways, one email, one verbal, and one through the law enforcement portal, Ray said. So describing the Norfolk memo, Ray said, My understanding is that this was information posted online under a moniker or a pseudonym. It was unvetted, uncorroborated information, but it was, and it was somewhat aspirational in nature, but it was concerning. It was concerning, and it was specific enough that we, our folks in Norfolk, thought that they needed to get it out, even if we hadn't had a chance to corroborate or vet it. Ray said the FBI appropriately passed along the information. The email from the FBI itself went to, I think, there may be as many as five Capitol Police task, forces, task Force officers on the Joint Terrorism Task Force, and the whole point of the Joint Terrorism Task Force is for the chosen representatives of the partner agency to be there in the loop real time so that everybody's got the same information so that each agency can use that information to do what it needs to do. But in addition to the email, so belt and suspenders, it was verbally briefed, Ray said. And then third, in addition to that, it was put into the leap, the law enforcement portal to make sure everybody got it. But having said that, I do not consider what happened on January 6th to be an acceptable result. And that's why we were looking so hard and figuring out how can the process be improved. I don't know. Maybe do a better job. Feel free to become a member and support this sort of news commentary. But either way, like the way you look at this, because, you know, this story also like put down like a little side note that, you know, someone basically said that they didn't get any sort of information from the FBI regarding any sort of warning. 
about this whole situation on January 6th. Who's lying? Who knows? Probably all of them, right? I mean, this is government that we're talking about. Government is pretty much always lying. Like, if they're speaking, they're lying pretty much, right? So, one way to view this is basically where... Don't put too much faith into the government. Put more faith into yourself and maybe your beliefs, right? And maybe if you believe in something, just get it done. Now, the reason why I say this, because obviously we focus more on like money, finances and that kind of stuff, right? You can't rely on the government to solve issues. You just simply can't, right? They're extremely inefficient. They're extremely unorganized. And they end up fighting amongst each other, right? Whereas if you need something to get done, just go and do it. Don't rely on the government for basically anything. Just rely on your own skill and on your own effort because then you get you know, better outcomes than something like this where they don't even read certain things, right? Like the director didn't even read a memo that could have potentially prevented any sort of mayhem. Right, so that just goes to show you is like, hey, like you got to be careful, you got to be aware, and of course, everything ends up falling on your shoulders. Every action that you do, so just keep that in mind. I just seeing stories like this where like the person didn't even bother reading a memo that could have, like, you could have easily just spent five seconds, you know, just scanning quickly through a memo to see whether or not. Oh, is this like something that's potentially dangerous? Like you could clearly see something like that within a quick message or a quick memo, right? I mean, the fact that they're sending something to you should kind of give you, you know, kind of like a hint, like, hey, maybe I should pay attention to this at least a little bit. So just to me is awfully disturbing that the FBI director is claiming that he didn't even read a memo about this sort of situation. A massive Chinese Bitcoin mining hub has been shut down. So China's Inner Mongolia region plans to ban new cryptocurrency mining projects and shut down existing activity in a bid to cut down on energy consumption. So Bitcoin is based on a decentralized network, which means it's not issued by a single entity like a central bank. Transactions recorded on a public ledger called the blockchain need to be verified by miners. These miners run purpose-built computers to solve complex mathematical puzzles that effectively allow a Bitcoin transaction to happen. The miners receive Bitcoin as a reward and that is the incentive. But because the computers are high-powered, they consume a lot of energy. Bitcoin mining consumes an estimated 128.84 terawatt hour per year of energy more than entire countries such as ukraine and argentina according to the cambridge bitcoin electricity consumption index a project of the university of cambridge china accounts for around 65 percent of all bitcoin mining globally and inner mongolia alone accounts for about eight percent due to its cheap energy in comparison, the United States accounts for 7.2% of global Bitcoin mining, which is crazy when you really think about it. So not all cryptocurrencies work like Bitcoin, however. Inner Mongolia, located in northern China, failed to meet central government assessment targets regarding energy use in 2019 and was scolded by Beijing. 
In response, the region's Development and Reform Commission laid out plans to reduce energy consumption. Part of those plans involved shutting down existing cryptocurrency mining projects by April 2021 and not approving any new ones. They also involve reassessing other energy-intensive industries like steel and coal. Now, while the Chinese government has backed the development of Bitcoin's underlying blockchain technology, it has looked to crack down on digital currencies themselves. In 2017, Beijing banned initial coin offerings in a way to issue digital tokens and raise money. The government has also cracked down on businesses involved in cryptocurrency operations, such as exchanges. China is also pushing to become more environmentally friendly, and President Xi Jinping said last year that the country is targeting peak carbon dioxide emissions by 2030 and carbon neutrality by the year of 2060. Feel free to become a member. Support this in the description. Check out 40box.com to master your money. For personal finance lessons, personal finance courses, and contact us with your personal finance question or story. A headless body was found in a super shocking place. So a headless body was pulled from the New York Bay, police said Tuesday. Cops say the unknown man's body was spotted floating in the water by a jogger running near Oliver Street on Belt Parkway Pedestrian Path in Brooklyn just after 12.45 p.m. Monday. NYPD's harbor unit pulled the body from the water and found it had no head or arms and only one leg. And the body was taken to the office of the city medical examiner. And there's basically no more information about that. I just thought that was so crazy that I had to share it. It's like... A headless body in 2021? Like what? Buying a car, but with Bitcoin instead of with cash. So H. Gregg, a Quebec-based vehicle superstore with 30 North American locations, will begin accepting cryptocurrency payments for new or pre-owned vehicles this month. The auto dealer, which has locations in Quebec and Florida, is becoming one of the first large automotive groups to accept digital asset payments in its day-to-day operations. Now, the company claims to have sold 500,000 vehicles over the past 25 years and maintains a warehouse in Miami that's stocked with over 1,000 cars. A portion of the revenue from sales made in cryptocurrency will be kept in this format by the company, H. Craig said, indicating that it plans to hold digital assets like Bitcoin, on its balance sheet. In terms of accepting crypto payments, the dealership said, We're pleased today to be at the forefront of technology, giving our customers another payment option. We also believe it will be advantageous to keep some of our assets in cryptocurrency. The dealership sells a wide variety of used cars, from Hyundai's to Lamborghinis, and crypto users can therefore use their funds to buy practical cars in addition to luxury vehicles. Hgreg claims to have the largest inventory of vehicles in Canada. Hgreg's decision to accept cryptocurrency payments comes on the heels of Tesla's entry into the Bitcoin market. As Cointelegraph reported last month, the electric vehicle maker allocated 7.7% of its gross cash position to Bitcoin, which honestly, they made a disgusting amount of money from that specific investment like to like a disgusting amount i believe they actually made more money from that investment than they did the whole year of 2020 so in the process the company announced it would begin accepting bitcoin for payment
Now, while cryptocurrencies remain largely within the domain of investments, payment infrastructure is increasingly integrating digital assets. OLB Group recently enabled crypto payments for thousands of United States merchants, allowing businesses to accept Bitcoin, Ether, USD coin, and DAI. A car enthusiast who spent 37 Bitcoin on two used Hondas in 2017 might wish he had waited. Become a member, support in the description. You can check out 40inbox.com to master your money, personal finance lessons, personal finance courses. Contact us with your personal finance question or story, and maybe we'll turn it into an episode. But what do you think? Do you think uh, that person who spent 37 Bitcoin on two kind of average cars, do you think he's regretting that now? Investing, but with an Ethereum ETF. So less than a month after becoming the second firm to secure approval from Canadian regulators to list a Bitcoin exchange-traded fund, Evolve is looking to debut in Ether, or Ethereum ETF product in Canada. According to a Tuesday press release, the company has filed a preliminary prospectus with Canadian regulators for approval to begin trading an Ether ETF product. According to the communique, if the Ether ETF is approved, it will trade under the ticker ETHR and will track the Ether dollar reference rate provided by CF Benchmarks. The CME ETH futures contract also utilizes the same benchmark price. So the announcement also reveals that the proposed Ether ETF will offer denominated unhedged units for both the U.S. dollar and Canadian dollar units. Commenting on the preliminary filing, Evolve CEO Raj Lala remarked that the company is looking forward to providing Canadian investors with exposure to another cryptocurrency via the ETF market. For Elliot Johnson, the firm's chief operating officer and chief investment officer, the company decided to move forward with an Ether ETF due to the prominence of the second largest crypto by market capitalization. He added, Ether is the building block for a revolution in digital finance, which is still in its infancy. Ethereum is the most actively used blockchain, with Ether being used to pay for transaction fees and computational services. If approved, the Ether will be the second crypto ETF from Evolve Stables following its EBIT Bitcoin ETF product launched back in February. As previously reported by Cointelegraph, Bitcoin ETF trading saw an explosive debut in Canada. The the purpose Bitcoin ETF reached over half a billion dollars in assets under management less than a week after its launch. However, there has been a noticeable decline in trading volume and significant BTC price volatility over the last few days. Meanwhile, Grayscale's investment Grayscale Bitcoin Trust product has seen its premium decline to record lows while trading on Canada's Bitcoin ETFs has surged. According to JP Morgan Chase analysts, there is a direct link between the explosive trading of Canadian Bitcoin ETFs and the decline in the GPTC premium. Feel free to become a member, support this news finance commentary in the description. Check out 40inbox.com to master money, personal finance lessons, personal finance courses. Contact us with your personal finance question or story and we'll probably turn it into a future episode 
And feel free to give your thoughts as to a Ethereum ETF or even a Bitcoin ETF. Do you think it's a good idea or not? Personally, to me, the way that I see cryptocurrency is that each cryptocurrency is a digital asset. Thus, it doesn't make sense for you to really invest into an ETF when it comes to cryptocurrencies because the whole point of cryptocurrencies is that when you buy it, you literally own it, right? So for example, if I were to go buy $100 of Bitcoin right now, I will have $100 of Bitcoin in my possession, right? Now technically it's going to be like in a digital wallet, but I could technically also store it in a physical wallet, right? I could take ownership of it immediately, right? It's an instantaneous pretty much process. Whereas you can't do that with like a stock, right? You can't necessarily even do that with real estate because you can't just go there like, yep, that's mine, bye, right? Whereas with a Bitcoin or an Ethereum, right? You buy it and then you can immediately liquidate it, right? You could just transfer it to someone else, right? You could buy it, sell it. You don't even have to sell it. You could just give it away. Like it doesn't even matter, right? You could literally just give it away or you could lose it, right? Because it's your possession. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't really understand with this is that the difference between cryptocurrencies and let's say like the stock market is that when you buy something, you own it, right? Instead of you being like a part owner of the like of a company where you have like a percentage of ownership of that company because you bought some of their stock. Well, guess what? You can't just instantly like claim ownership of that company, right? You can't just like grab your part out of that company immediately. Like you just can't do that. Like you don't have a lot of power when it comes to investing into stocks or real estate compared to buying a digital asset like cryptocurrency. Now, I'm not suggesting cryptocurrencies are better investments than, let's say, the stock market or real estate, but I'm saying the way to view cryptocurrency is that is basically something that you can own, that you have full ownership of when you buy it. And that's something to really think about it, because basically, let's just say that you buy a Coke, like a Diet Coke, right? You could sell it to someone, you could give it away to someone, right? Because you owned that Coke, right? That Coke can. No one really cares what you do with it, it's yours, right? As soon as you buy it, it's yours. You have full reign as to what you could pretty much do with it. So it's just a different way to look at cryptocurrency. And that really is that's the way you should look at cryptocurrency. So if you want to get involved into cryptocurrency, if you want to put some sort of money or small percentage of your overall portfolio into cryptocurrency, that's the way you got to view it and just invest into the actual thing instead of something that kind of does it.